Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. All right, well, we have a really amazing documentary. I want to, I'm really looking forward to our conversation, and I'll tell you why it's amazing. It's amazing because, first of all, it's an interesting story. It's a story of two grandkids who are filmmakers who are, who are interested in their grandmother's life, and they decide to embark on what they call a, um, uh, a oh, my God, a uh, expedition. What? A, oh, my God, I can't believe I can't think of the, the word, uh, a... Elon, Jonathan, archaeological dig. Uh, archaeological dig. Oh my goodness! Yes, I couldn't <laughs> say that word. I'm having trouble today. I don't know what's going on. And uh, so, uh, well, that this that is in fact the voice of Elon, and I assume Jonathan is nearby. I'm here as well. How you doing? Uh, good. That's uh, Jonathan Bogarin. Uh, they are the directors, co-directors of this wonderful documentary called 306. Hollywood, and it's the story of their grandmother and their archaeological dig to sort of piece together her life, and and the her and the, how it impact her family, and just it's a, it's a it's a documentary about a lot of different things, and it's done in just this remarkably creative way, and uh, telling it uh, it's more of a it almost looks like and I've heard I've read this so I'm not I'm not that smart. It looks like a Michel Gondry f- uh film kind of a take on what a documentary would look like uh if he were to do this a uh, story but it's it's very creative and I've completely butchered this whole thing and I'm going to now introduce to uh to our audience Elon and Jonathan Bogarin. Welcome to Film School. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. Uh, yeah, that that was torturous. I apologize for that. Uh but basically Tell us, in your own words, and I'll start with you, Elon. What what was the impetus behind the documentary Three Hundred Six Hollywood? The impetus behind the documentary was really to tell a story that takes an ordinary person, an ordinary story, and elevate it to something extraordinary. Um, Jonathan and I um, term our film a magical realist documentary, where you are able to look at, again, sort of the day-to-day, the oral histories, the experiences of, of knowing someone and being with someone closely and taking that and sort of expanding it out to how we understand much bigger stories. So things, you know, we were really diving into questions of, of life and death and memory, and we wanted to take one person and really, again, expand that out. Well, Jonathan, in terms of sort of trying to get, wrap your hands around this project what moving forward well when did you make the decision that you wanted to do obviously uh your grandmother was uh 86 or 87 at the time of her passing how old was she when she passed she was 93 when she died oh 93 and actually when she was 83 10 years before her death we began filming her every single year and this was way before we ever had the idea to make a, a film out of her out of her um, material that we filmed. But we started, you know, we'd visit her every week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one day, Alan got a camera, and she just got the idea, hey, let's film Grandma. I said, okay, sure. So every every weekend, we would go to her house, and then, you know, every so often, and it would be, you know, a couple times a year for 10 years, we would just bring some camera equipment and film her. And th- these these interviews were kind of like a way to learn about her life in a way that we didn't normally know. So we'd ask her questions like, what do you think about sex? Do you miss it? You know, what was it like to lose your husband or your son? 
um, you know, how do you think about your life? Was it, was your life a success? You know, looking back, uh, kind of retro retrospectively, and um, she began sharing all these things with us. And then after she died, we went back to her house and we found all her stuff because she grew up in the depression. She didn't really throw things away. She always felt like she might not have something tomorrow. So she kept all this stuff. We felt like the stuff had life in it. And then when we revisited the tapes we had made of her, it was like she was back with us. It was amazing. So it was around that point that we decided that we had an incredible character. We had complete access to her house and all of her stuff to do crazy things there. Um, and that really became like the, the spark for the film. And let's, uh, your grandmother's name is Annette Ontel, and she is a very honest person. I, I, I don't know if uh, it, initially she, she had any trepidations about talking to you, but it sure seems like from what I saw, she was a woman who was, uh, she had some boundaries, certainly, about things she did or didn't want to talk about, but generally very forthright, very honest about it. Uh, did she have any trepidations initially about, you know, talking to you and, not at all. None at all. Yeah, not at all. She was 100% a collaborator for every single piece of the film, um, every clip, every scene. She was she was on board. Um, I mean, basically, we have a really close family. Um, everyone is sort of always up for doing the different things that each of us is, is working on. And, you know, she was just someone who I think, you know, now recognizing in retrospect what she was able to share with us you know, she was almost an unwitting philosopher. You know, she had a unique perspective on life that was really what is the takeaway of sort of looking at life from a very, you know, if you're 93, how do, how do you essentialize something? How do you make sense of that? Yeah. And I think a key component is sort of honestly that life is a whole lot simpler than we often make it out to be of like you withstand a tremendous amount of pain and at the end of it is you are where you are and you stand on your own legs in that capacity. Yeah, I think part of it also, she's very forthcoming. She's not afraid to talk about anything and she's also really funny. Uh, which is kind of an amazing combination, <laughs> and it really came through in the interviews. It does. She's really a very warm-hearted person. She seemed to be. She. One of the things about a documentary like this, you want to, you want to be able to spend time with someone. This you're gonna. This is a film about somebody, and it, immediately uh, I was drawn to her. And she. You're right. She has a sense of humor. She has a sense of perspective. Uh, there are some things in the film that you discuss. Obviously, some. Uh, difficult topics in terms of mortality and uh, her life with her husband. And there are things that are just, yeah, not easy for anyone to talk about, no matter your age or wherever you are. And so, but she's a terrific person to be around. And um, your mom is in the film. She's she's obviously an important part of the story. Uh, what was her take when you started to get to this point where after Annette has passed and you're going through the house, uh, there's a there's a kind of quirky story. I'm not going to give away anything about what happens to the house, sort of the what's going to happen to the house. I guess a better way to put it. But was your mom's uh, involvement? Was uh, obviously she seemed to be willing, but did she have any reservations, or did she find out things about her mom that she maybe was didn't expect to find out? Well, so, what was your mom's take on all this? Uh, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do with the film is create a language uh, through which you can talk about grief. Um, in contemporary America, we often don't really have that language. We don't really have the tradition to deal with losing someone that we love. Yeah. And what we wanted to do with the film is we wanted to use creativity, we wanted to use humor, imagination, and honesty to talk about this experience because it's such a universal experience. Right. So, you know, with our mother, there was kind of a whole range of different 
um, different moments and different emotions that she felt, uh, many of which are in the film. You know, at first she really wanted to get rid of the house. She wanted to move on. You know, eventually when we came up with this idea of, of excavating the whole house and transforming it into an archaeological dig, she just thought we were absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, and all, all of these things kind of come through. You know, she was also extremely helpful in that we never could have done it and even maintained the house as long as we did if it were not for her help. So it's like you really see the whole range, you know, from like sadness and tears to laughter and how ridiculous things are to kind of like, you know, uh, um, uh, the, the the sense of like grappling with what to do. You know, sometimes you're uncertain and you don't know what to do. Right. And it's been really great also um, showing the film to audiences and seeing other people's experience where they say, you know, I've, I've, I've felt this. I've experienced this, but I didn't necessarily have the language or, or I didn't always have even the opportunity that you guys did to have so much time to go through things, to make sense of things, and to sort of feel this whole range of emotions. Right. Well, Elon, the, the style of the film is uh, very interesting and very whimsical. You refer to it as a sort of a, a magical realism. Uh, in your, how did you come to that decision to move forward in that regard with the film, the way you told the story? So magical realism and myths and fables have been used throughout almost every single culture in the world to deal with difficult life transitions, so with birth and death and coming of age. And, you know, when when we lost our grandmother and we're sort of dealing with how do we understand memory, how do we understand what remains of someone after they're gone, we started looking at, you know, what are the ways that people have dealt with this in the past? What are the languages and the discussions and dialogues that people have used to grapple with these, you know, these events that are fully universal but are difficult to discuss and we you know found that again myth and magical realism were these ways of dealing with something that's extremely hard to comprehend extremely hard to understand where where did someone go someone who was right in front of you who you knew your whole life has disappeared what what happened you know and all of a sudden we realized that wait a minute this is not just a language that we can dive into. This is a way to approach the film as a whole. Yeah. This is a way for us to look at the fact that something that is incomprehensible and behind, you know, beyond the language we usually have, you know, this is a way for us to see that we're looking past the ordinary. We're looking into our subjective experience, and then we're going to visualize that. And magical realism just felt like the perfect way for us to, to, to actually visualize something that was in our brains, in our experiences, in our emotions, that we could then share with an audience so that they could think about, you know, how did this feel to me? I, I don't know that I've ever seen a documentary uh, deploy this sort of, this look, this feel, the way you have. I've seen it, it in glimpses of this in other documentary films, but it I've never seen it quite uh, as, as full fully developed as you have in this film. Am I wrong? Is this something that mm-hmm. I knew in, in terms of documentary? Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we, we had a couple of, of different um, influences in the documentary form. For instance, uh, Patricio Guzman did a great film called Nostalgia for the Light, in which he mixes astronomy and the disappeared people of the military dictatorship in, uh, in Chile, and it's magnificent. Um, Agnes Varda has done some amazingly creative things in documentary. Uh, there's obviously many other filmmakers as well. But what we wanted to do is we really wanted to challenge the form of a documentary itself and ask the question, what in fact is real? You know, we tend to believe that things like interviews and verite, archival footage and recreations are all real because they're languages that we understand. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to mix all these different things up and mix them also with fiction film, mix them with a really powerful score, mix them with choreography, mix them with visual art, uh, and use references that don't often come into the, the nonfiction space. 
and make a make a film in which you're always in this world. You're always in this sort of semi-magical world where you're kind of like going between reality and magic. You're going into the subjective experience of the individual characters. Yeah. And we wanted to make that visual and visible the whole time from, you know, from beginning to end of the film. So we think that it's a very different kind of form. We think that we really tried to, to push the form in a different direction. You, you, you really did. It, it, another kind of benefit to this approach is it takes the the audience out of a a sense of uh it's not morose it it takes it out of that sense that this is a life lost a life you know of missed opportunities or however you know, people can sometimes look back on their lives and feel you know things like that this this puts it in the realm of it's an entertaining uh, lighthearted isn't exactly the word I'm looking for, but it it takes it out of that sort of doom and gloom approach to s- somebody's life that's ended, and puts but, it, and it, it yeah, puts it. A, it's a very it's entertaining, but it also at the same time effective and very interesting because you 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 both were very creative in 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 the the way that you did the dig. <laughs> because, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. This really goes back to what Alan is saying. Is like we really wanted to use mythology, we wanted to use visual right. art as right. our languages, and humor as our languages to communicate something very serious. Because if you're laughing and you're smiling and then you're crying and then you see something really inventive, it's going to make you want to think about something. It's going right. to make you want to have a conversation. Right. And we realized when we first started making the film that it could get very, very serious, very, very heavy, very quick. Yes. And we're like, that's actually not even our grandmother's perspective because she would be talking about something very serious, very honest, and she'd be finding ways to make jokes about it and finding ways to be creative about it. And we're like, that, that was the attitude that we wanted to take as well because we lost her, but we also had this great gift of knowing her. We had this great gift of having this material that we filmed with her and we could then present her to audiences. So we're like, let's use creativity, let's use imagination to make something that could very well be very sad and make it very beautiful. Right. I always try to go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that one other element is that, you know, we were really trying to mix together, you know, different cultures. Our background, this story is our, our Jewish grandmother from New Jersey, but our other side of our of our family is, is Venezuelan. And we grew up going back and forth between Venezuela and the U.S. And one thing that we've also learned from that is that, you know, in, in Latin America, you have this mix of sort of magic into the everyday, and, and death is also included in that. You know, it's looked at from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that for us, it was very important to sort of deal with the fact that, you know, something that's taboo in our society, looking at death also, you know, a lot of our, our film exists in a house, which is traditionally, you know, a domestic, often female space. You know, and we wanted to sort of revise these histories, look at these from different perspectives and say, if we're looking, you know, if we mix our influences and we are able to tell our story in a new way, you know, our goal was to give the audience a, a new approach for how do we remember, how do we think about, you know, that which has passed. And, you know, I think we often look at, you know, the past as like, oh, it doesn't exist anymore, it doesn't matter, where our entire reality, our whole existence, you know, who we all are comes from our histories. We wanted to find a way to open up a different dialogue about those those stories, about, you know, how do we understand what it means to lose someone and give people new ways to think about, you know, their own histories, their own families. Yeah. And just one, one last point is that, you know, in, in many ways, our film is a film about immigration also. And it's a very American film in that it mixes the, the, the uh, influences of Jewish culture and, you know, our grandmother's family, they immigrated from Poland and Russia in the early 20th century. Our father immigrated from Venezuela in 1970, um, and we mix in all these elements of Latin American culture. And 
although we're telling a universal story, we're telling it through a very different um, cultural perspective. And I think a lot of the, the invention, a lot of the creativity of the film comes from the fact that we were formed by many different cultures. And you know, I think one thing that's really beautiful about the United States is you have so many different cultures that come together here and make something new. And we wanted to be a part of that. Yeah, that's it's yeah, it's just terrific. It's uh, like I said, it's so creative. Uh, but first, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Ilan and Jonathan Bogarin, and they are the directors of a uh, co-directors of a wonderful documentary that's coming out today in theaters. You can see it. It's called Three O Six Hollywood. In fact, I believe you are in town for some Q and A's here in in town. Um, Yes, yeah, so we're, we're really excited about the release of our film. Uh, it, uh, our theatrical release started two weeks ago in New York, and we've been traveling to multiple cities since then. Uh, we're releasing the film in collaboration with the Sundance Institute. They have a wonderful creative distribution fellowship that we are a part of. And uh, we're basically creating a call to conversation. As we go from city to city, we're having different Q&As with amazing special guests and speakers. And every single uh, day, or often twice a day, we're having conversations about different themes in the film. Um, so we're, we're, we're having a, a conversation this evening at the, the, the L.A. Roy- premiere yeah, the at Royal the Lemony Royal 3. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that, 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 that's going to be with Tabitha Jackson from the Sundance Institute. She's an amazing thinker in the nonfiction space. Um, you know, we're going to have additional uh, uh, panels with the Order of the Good Death. Uh, we're going to have a panel with uh, Troy Herring, our composer, um, uh, this Sunday. We're going to have another panel uh, with a with a wonderful celebrity declutterer mm-hmm. to kind of get into the theme of, yeah. of objects. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so every every day uh, at the Lemley uh, on the three ten and the seven fifty shows, we're going to have. Uh, have uh, Q&As all weekend. Right, you have exactly on Saturday at 310, you have, uh, yes, with Jess Fusilier uh, from the Sundance Institute at 310 mm-hmm. at, at 750, that's you calling, uh, yeah, cleaning up grief and loss uh, with Sarah Troop of the Order of Good Death and Ju- Julie Nalen of No More Wire Hangers. <laughs> That's very <laughs> funny. Uh, and then Sunday as well, end of life uh, discussion with Betsy Trabasso of Death and the Arts and Leslie, uh, is it Gelfand? Of, yeah, of Grief Recovery West L.A. Yes, it's a, it, and then on Tuesday, you've got another, uh, there's a Q&A also at the Royal uh, with Ari Seth Cohen of the Advanced Style, moderated by Abby Davis regarding the film as well. Yeah, I was trying to. It, so it's a packed lineup. I mean, tonight, tomorrow night, Sunday, and and Tuesday as well. So mm-hmm. and the Royal's a great theater. It's just a really wonderful place right there at Santa Monica Boulevard, right off the four hundred five freeway. Uh, one of the things I was trying to sort of for our audience to l- kind of let them know what this sort of magical realism and sort of there's a there's one or t- one thing in the film that sort of for me encapsulated what that would would is and what it would mean to somebody who hasn't seen the film was the uh, sequence out in front of the house with the women in the various dresses that uh, Annette had designed and sewn mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. dance that they do out in front of the house. I, I, I thought that was a, a beautiful scene. I thought there was so much about it that uh, just sort of for me captured her essence as well as I think what you were, you're trying to accomplish with the, with the film itself it just, it, I just thought that was a, a beautifully, a wonderful scene. And um, is there is there another scene or, or that for people who who are wondering what this sort of the look of the film might be? Is that is there one? Sure. Um, the key for us, I mean, in, within this film, we have a dance sequence, we have a massive telescope, we have a scale oh, yeah. model of our exact house, yes. um, where we literally took the, the house itself and shrunk it down into a one-inch 
scale model. Um, we have wow. um, a house covered in clothing. Um, we basically, you know, we've we've transformed the house into a completely different reality. It's a character. Uh, the, the, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and we wanted to always create a visual metaphor for every experience in the film. You know, we wanted to give the audience at every moment, you know, uh, new surprises, new inventive uh, experiences within this this story. Because we felt that some, someone like our grandmother, like your grandmother, like each person's grandmother who's listening, that person shaped their lives. And that person had a real impact in who they are and also in terms of the society that we live in. And we feel that it's so important to create a visual language that can express how important these people really are to us. Um, there are often people who do not appear in history, and we wanted to find a way to bring them, you know, roaring back into history with, you know, dancing numbers in a documentary in miniature houses. Yeah, it is just beautiful. It really, yeah, it's just, there's so much about this film that's so much fun. And I'm, yeah, see this film. <laughs> it really, it's really, it's really, yeah, because, no, it just, you don't Documentary. There's so many great documentaries out. So many great subjects. So many, you know, create the creative uh, palette available to, to uh, documentary filmmakers is remarkable. We live in an age where the sky's the limit. You see what Errol Morris is is doing with his documentaries. You see just very creative, different ways. Uh, Robert Green, who just did Bisbee 17. Who, you know, sort of the way that they're going about telling stories uh, is is. Wonderful, and this is another example of these kinds of uh, this kind of a film where uh, it's entertaining, informative, it's heartwarming, it's uh, heartfelt, and um, I uh, my hats off to you because I really really enjoyed this a lot, and I look forward to these panels. I think people should try to get up to the Royal to see uh, to see the film as well as be a part of a very interesting uh, discussion about uh, the things that come up in the film. And um, gosh, thank you. <laughs> that, that, thank you thank, so thank much. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, and, and, and we really hope that people will join us. You know, the, the conversations have been going now for a couple of weeks. Uh, we've done about twenty in multiple cities throughout the United States, and we have many more in LA. And we're really excited to bring this to the audience here and to to, to chat with people. Hopefully, they, they come in and say hi. Yeah, and the, the film. If you you can find out more about the film at three hundred six Hollywood dot com. Three hundred six Hollywood dot com. The film premiered at Sundance this last year. First documentary included in the Sundance Next section, which is sort of the the next wave of creative filmmaking. There's there's a lot going on. So it's streaming. What are we streaming? Or let's worry about the theatrical release, and then we'll talk about the streaming. And go to the site and figure mm-hmm. out. Uh, unless you right, want to talk. The stream about will be coming soon. Yeah, okay. you can also find us on on Facebook and Instagram at. 306 Hollywood, or as you said, at 306Hollywood.com. Okay. Um, and you can find all the information about screenings, and, and we'll also be uh, uh, announcing all of the different streaming and broadcast options coming up soon. Okay, great. Well, Ilana and Jonathan uh, Bogarin, thank you again for being here. Thank you for the film 306 Hollywood, and all the best. Uh, are you uh, working on anything? I know this is a huge project. I obviously mm-hmm. took up a lot of your life, and uh, but I, I look forward to more work from you. I hope you'll come back and see us again. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. We, we hope so, too. We'll be working on new projects with new angles for how to make a documentary. So <laughs> okay. we, hope to, we hope to be talking to you soon as well. <laughs> keep, po- keep pushing those boundaries. I, I love it. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.